0: Hello, and welcome back to the Psych Legal Pop podcast. This is a podcast where we talk about popular culture through the lens of an attorney and a therapist. My name is Brooke Brigham. I'm an attorney. And I'm Tess Brigham. I'm the therapist. Hello. Hello. Today <laughs> we are going to be talking about a docuseries series. That is airing on
1: Netflix called Killer Sally. Yes. Ooh. I had never heard this story before. This was all new.
0: Yeah. It's, I have to say, I, it's very well done, I think. I
1: was, it's, it's yeah. an emotional roller coaster. It is. And well, and also, I really, thank you, Netflix. Three episodes. Perfect. Yeah. I mean, really, honestly, it could have been two. But, I mean, it, it's just... I really like these short, to-the-point documentaries. I do, too. I it's don't... It's not dragged on and on and on and on and on. Because a lot of them, especially, you know, this this documentary, it's, it's you know, it's violent. What happened is violent. Everything that's going on is violent. I mean, it's called Killer Sally, for crime and sake. So I do think that there is something to be said for these really violent... um Docu series where less is more yeah. you know
0: i don't have the attention span for those you know 10 episode yes. series. i i i hardly ever finish them i just get burnt out
1: you yeah. know um well you want to either i think i don't know binging like i'm so used to binging now that if i can't binge i'm like ah, you're mm-hmm. very upset um You know, and there's some great shows on TV, but I always just feel like, oh, I just want to binge this. This is, I just don't want Abbott Elementary once a week. Yeah, not half an hour.
0: Not many shows do that anymore. (laughs) So, So, well, do you want to describe what, what is Killer Sally about? You want to give us a synopsis? So this is about um, a couple, Sally and Ray McNeil, who are, were both bodybuilders. And bodybuilding is kind of the backdrop a little bit of this, but it, it really is sort of your old-fashioned true crime, uh-huh. <laughs> you know, wife kills abusive husband story. And it's it's just different because Sally is not your typical, uh-huh. quote-unquote typical, abuse victim, um, or at least how society would think of an abuse victim. Because she, well, she let me back up and just kind of give a little bit of background for um you know her story. She she was abused as a child, physically abused by her stepfather. Um she ended up her she was married before she was married to Ray. That husband was abusive to her. Um they were only married for 4 years. She had actually I didn't realize this. This was not part of the documentary but she actually had three children oh her husband and the third child was put up for adoption oh my gosh i didn't realize yeah because in the uh documentary you just see
1: the two two children
0: but you know she was she was used to being um abused i think she she was kind of seemed a little odd maybe Mm -hmm. as a child but she found refuge in sports she was very good um at diving. She was very athletic. Um, and that led her eventually to get into working out and bodybuilding. And uh, she met, let's see, did she go? Actually, she went, so after her divorce, she joined the Marines. And she was set up on a date with Ray McNeil, who was also a Marine. And they began dating in 1987. They got married after just a couple of months. And he was a bodybuilder, too. He mm-hmm. was huge, gigantic man, probably almost 300 pounds of just muscle. Mm-hmm. And she was, you know, very, very large as well. Um, but they both were taking steroids. You know, she was very open about that. Um, she was actually working to support his bodybuilding career and buying the steroids for him. And, um being trying to be supportive of that but he was also abusive to her and he started being violent with her instantly, st- instantly as soon as they got married he was also
1: violent towards her children which just- is I think the children that their section I think is the most heartbreaking part of this entire show. It really is because the
0: the theme of this it's a cycle of violence yes like, yeah family cycles of violence. And one of the things that Sally says that Ray did throughout the relationship was choking. He he was really into choking her. And I I think there's something about that, about, I, I don't know what it is. What does it say about someone who chokes someone? I think there's something about that. I'm not quite sure psychologically, but I mean, it was so common to the point where her daughter, uh, testified later in her trial about how she knew her mom was choking because she would hear the sounds Mm -hmm. that her mom would start to make, like these kind of gurgling, gasping sounds, and she knew that meant her mother was being choked during this abuse. So um, their relationship was not good, and at some point Ray... Decided that he was going to try to leave her. Mm-hmm. He had a girlfriend who he was
1: serious about. Her- yeah. <laughs>
0: yeah. I mean, he had had a lot of affairs, I think, but mm-hmm. there was one who was serious and she was actually in the documentary. I yeah. Think she the, was Marianne pol- should the police were interviewing mm-hmm. her. And so he, and maybe Sally sensed this, um, that he was getting ready to leave. And so it was Valentine's Day, 1995. Ray had not come home. It's getting later and later, and she believes that he's out with his girlfriend. And so she claims that she was going to go down to this bar that he went to to see if he was there to confront him. And that before she could leave the house, he came home. And they started arguing And it led to violence. He started choking her. She was in fear for her life. And she got away from him at some point, ran into her bedroom where she had a shotgun, came out, shot him in the stomach, and then shot him a second time in the face. And the the forensics in the trial
1: put that story into question a little bit. We'll get into that yeah. in, a, in a bit because that, to me, feels like that's the crux of the story or the controversy. Is was she in imminent danger? Right, and that is the whole that is um, the whole the whole case. point. Yeah,
0: yeah, and it's it's the whole premise of what has been known as the battered woman syndrome. That's kind of an outdated term, but in 1979, there was a psychologist named Lenore Walker who coined that term. She wrote a book called uh, The Battered Woman Syndrome. And over the years, it became uh, the basis for courts allowing testimony in cases of self-defense where the woman was a victim of domestic violence. And she didn't kill her partner in the act of the violence, mm-hmm. but killed him afterwards. Yes. And that, the thing is, the basis of self-defense is you have to be in imminent danger. But she explained that the psychology of abuse is such that you get to a point where you basically have PTSD that's Mm -hmm. caused by the abuse, and then it causes you to basically feel like you could be killed at any moment. And so it happens all the time. It's kind of a kill or be killed situation, almost mm-hmm. like if you were in a soldier in war, or, you know, you you believe that you need to protect yourself and usually your children as well, and you need to get rid of this person mm-hmm. or they're going to kill you. Yes. And the person could be sitting in front of the TV on the couch, you know, doing nothing. Mm-hmm. So that defense didn't, I don't know, it's kind of hard because the, the trial... The, the coverage of the trial, I felt, was very – there was a lot of focus on the prosecution, but the defense attorney who yeah was also the, – so they interviewed both the DA and Sally's defense attorney. And the defense attorney didn't – I don't remember him talking at all
1: about what kind of a defense he put on yeah, that mm-hmm. in terms of battered woman syndrome. Well, I think syndrome. he was, unfortunately, is – he seemed very nice and very competent, but maybe not as dynamic or, yeah, it was a little unclear. I think that he, yeah, I think he felt also, um, I don't know. I can't, I can't really, it's hard for me to put my finger on it, but I got the sense that he didn't quite know what to make of any of this either Right. because Sally testified and he was very adamant about her not testifying. It doesn't seem like it seems like they had kind of a, an interesting relationship. I don't know. It doesn't sound like either she didn't trust him cuz she every time he kept saying please don't testify and she testifies i can't tell what was going on there but that prosecutor man he was he was out to he was out to get her he was like gonna convict gonna convict but yeah i just want to back up here okay mm-hmm. so first off you know she obviously sally you you learn this very quickly which is sally is impulsive you know, she meets the first guy. She falls in love with him. They they get married right away. They have these children. And then, you know, the abuse starts. And then she runs off to California. And then she meets Ray. They date for two months. And then they get married. And he, you know, she is, she just kind of seems to be going, 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 going. And very early on, you know, this dynamic happens between the two of them where um, he, his bodybuilding, his career, what he's doing for himself is far more important than what she was doing because she was starting to establish a reputation for herself as well. It was almost kind of like, oh, Ray's in my life, so I'm going to put all of my time and focus and on Ray and Ray's c- career and what he was doing, and I'm going to, make my career such that I'm going to just do whatever I need to do to make money to, I thought that switched happened very quickly. Yeah. Because like,
0: she was an amateur. Yeah. She had started bodybuilding, I believe before she even met him, she had done some yeah, military shows. Yeah. So she was an amateur bodybuilder and she said in the, cause she won,
1: she won. I want to say she won a couple, she won a competition. Titles. I know I wrote this down. Oh, and um, yeah, she says it in the beginning. Um, 1987 Valentine's Day. 1987, she wins the Armed Forces Bodybuilding Female Division. Yeah, I mean that's a that's That's a thing. Sounds like a big deal. Thing. And then two months later, she's she meets him, and you know she she
0: did she poured and she said in the documentary, she said I would have liked to have turned pro, Mm -hmm. but yeah, she just she put everything into him, and it was all about him. And so in order to make money. To support his career, she started doing these, um, well, she did videos, but first she started, um, I don't know how you want to describe it. Like she would, men would pay her. There's like a fetish that. They were called schmoes. <laughs> that some men have where they want like a really big, strong, muscly mm-hmm. woman to kind of throw them around and put them in a headlock and squeeze squeeze them with their thighs, (laughs) Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. you know, fully clothed. But, you know, it's a strange thing. And so these men would pay her like 300 bucks an hour Mm -hmm. for her to
1: just rough them up for an hour. Well, yeah, and that other guy, he was recording, he was making videos with her, right? And then he would sell the videos direct to people who had this fetish. So that's how she made a living, is just wrestling and then doing the strong, like, you know, I can lift this much weight. I can do, you know, 20 chin ups, you know, the strong woman. Right. Um, Who knew there were all of these subsets of things (laughs) out there? I had no idea. But she was doing that to help him get rolling. And then they get into the discussion around steroids and um, that he was, you know, steroids are very expensive. And so she was earning money for him to um, use steroids and taking her children down to Mexico to buy steroids, to bring it back in to the country uh, for him. And I I think that there is something about this, and I, I don't, in terms of this battered women syndrome, because obviously it wasn't just the relationship with Ray that made her a battered woman. You know, this was... She had been de- she had been around violence and in violence her entire life, right? And she was actually demoted and discharged in the Marines for
0: violent behavior mm-hmm. and, um, you know, just yelling at people, just being uh-huh. inappropriate. She yeah, has a
1: lo- a hist- she had a history of uh, getting written up. Um, but what I was going to say about th- what what I just think is so interesting is her how quickly her devotion to him. And his career happened just, it felt like overnight, but she was willing to risk prison time and take her children to To another country to get these drugs for this man. I guess I just wonder what this hold is. He had, it felt like he had this real hold over her and she watched him physically abuse her kids. Yes, that too. Yes. Which was very, it's very heartbreaking. The, I think the most heartbreaking character is her son, John. Yeah. I felt like he was... Whew.
0: He has a look in his eyes. Yes. Like he is just kind of barely yeah. hanging
1: on. Yes. Barely there. Yes. So there's all of this violence. There's this tremendous devotion to him and what he's doing. And, um, and all of it's about him. And... What's interesting about the entire story, because the big issue with um, the big issue in the court case was, was, you know, beyond there's the imminent danger issue. But was Sally, this large bodybuilding woman, was she really in danger? Was she, you know, she was known her uh, wrestling persona is known as um, Killer Sally you know, she posed with a shotgun in her hand that she's here to hurt you. And and so what happened was the prosecutor took all of these incidents for her time in the military, the images of her being Killer Sally, um, what people would say about her, the fact that she was a violent person, that when she found out that Ray was having this affair with Marianne, she was like picking up the phone, calling her. Oh, she had beat up a woman in a bar. Yeah, but, threatening. Uh, yeah. yeah, she was... She was very, very violent. She would go out and and hurt people, so that was the big question was was she really you know was she in danger was she abused? was she capable of being a victim was she capable that's a better way of saying yeah. it, thank you was she was she capable of being a victim and that's the big question mark and I think when I finished watching this the um the docu series, I was just like all all of this is true like Yes, she was a violent person. Yes, she and she was a victim, and she was she had batter women syndrome, and I think she had it long before she even met Ray, and I think that she had PTSD, and and I think that her behavior was outrageous, and that she, you know, I I don't think that I think this this docu series is so interesting because. We we so badly want to make people either hero, heroes or villains. Right. We want to put everybody in a category, some way, shape, or form. And the reality is, is that she's all those things. Yeah, she's all all, these all things those things together. are true. All these things. She's a she is a violent person. That she she made a lot of questionable choices. That she did things that she regrets. And at the same time, based on everything that she said and what anybody else was saying you know even if you just hear from his friends about their relationship because his friends are really defending him um Ray's friends are really like really centered on her but really centered on him but the thing is is that he um but the friends even admitted they had this really destructive horrendous relationship so yeah they know all be true they annoyed me because
0: you know, I I feel like they were there to defend their friend, yet I also felt like they knew. Mm-hmm. They knew what yeah. was up. But yes. yet they just chose to just go on TV or, you know, be filmed.
1: That one guy, what was his name? Is it DJ DJ Jeffers? Something. Oh, God, if I got that right I think so. I, I think that's DJ. It. But it was, he was just, he was interesting because... In the beginning, you got the sense that he was like, yeah, Sally was really violent and, you know, Ray wanted to leave her. And and I, I think she was pissed that he was having an affair with her, with Marianne, I think. And she was rightly so to be pissed. Yeah. I think she felt like she had devoted her entire life to this man and his career and everything that he was doing. And then he decides to have an affair with someone and, you know, is going to leave her. So I think all of that is true. But they... The friend, DJ, had this attitude of, well, she was the violent one and, you know, um, but at the same time, he tells this very bizarre story of the night where she shoots Ray, where she didn't want him to leave. She didn't want that DJ guy to leave. Do you remember him telling this story? I thought that was so weird. It was like he was the night of the murder. I think so. It was a little confusing. But if it wasn't the night of the murder, it was another night. But I feel like it was the night of the murder because he talks about he's at the house She's really upset. Ray hasn't come home. He wants to he wants to go get food. He's hungry, this DJ guy. He wants to get food. She's like, "Please don't leave. Please don't leave. Please don't leave." And he's like, "I'm just going to go get food. I'll be back." She's like, "Are you going to be back? Are you going to be back? Are you going to be back?" And he's like, "Yes, I'm going to be back." And then by the time he comes back, the police are already there. Yeah. So she knew there was going to be a confrontation. Yes. And she and she knew it was going to be bad. Yeah. And so to me, it feels like what I don't understand, maybe from the legal perspective, what I don't understand is to me, that's not somebody who is planning on murdering their spouse. Right. I want to have a witness here. Oh, my God. I'm alone. I'm scared. Yeah. Where are you going? Don't go get a sandwich. Stay here.
0: Yeah. And, you know, we didn't see a lot of her defense in the documentary. So Mm -hmm. it's really hard to know. What happened, but it doesn't really seem like she got much of a defense at all. No. And, you know, it was coupled with the fact that she, excuse me, she was, she was arrested and she just, just started talking to the police. The worst possible thing you can do just for everybody out there. I don't care how innocent you are. I don't care, like, how much the police say that um, they can help you if you mm-hmm. just talk to them. It's all a lie. It's meant to trap you. She she spilled it to the police. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, the, I, I don't know. Her lawyer should have stopped her from taking the stand. I don't care that she yeah. wanted to. That was horrible. It didn't seem like much of a battered woman defense was put on. It also didn't seem like they put on any... Um, evidence about her past, Mm -hmm. the fact that this woman has lived her entire life with abuse, trauma, PTSD, all Mm -hmm. of it. She got a completely inadequate defense here. I mean, it was just, it was so sad, like, just to watch it. It was just so, so sad. And then, you know, like, the prosecutor also didn't understand what was happening. I mean, not like he would have cared, but he made that um, remark that Oh, because after she'd been interrogated for ten hours, mm-hmm. she laid down on the floor of the interrogation yeah. room, and I guess, took a, and, and f- took a nap. And he and he said that that was evidence that you know she's some cold-blooded killer. Yeah,
1: and it's like, what? Yeah, I'm really, really sick of the of people assuming that they know how people are going to react going through some of the, one of the most awful things right. that has ever happened to them. I mean, yeah, she's had a hell of a night. She's la- she's going to lay down. And the other thing is, you can look at it in a different way, which is if she felt like she was scared out of her mind all the time of dying, she finally was able to relax. Like, this person who right. has been trying it's to kill her relieved. for eight years is now gone. And... Yeah, that prosecutor really bugged me. But these prosecutors always do. They're so they're, they're so pompous. They're really pompous, and they're always so like, "This is the law. This is the way things got to yeah. be." I hate that kind of attitude. It's like he was Some shades still, of gray. People. Yeah, and he was so cruel yeah. towards her. He was. He didn't. He instantly didn't like her. I and I think there was a lot. There was a lot of. Um, um issues and all of this i also don't i don't understand why they kind of didn't this i think the steroid stuff is a big deal oh of course i think it was a huge deal of course he she talked about this she said three days before a meet he would start upping his steroid intake and that this was he was three days out from a. he had five from, different kinds of yeah. steroids in his system when they when they got her. yeah so and she had steroids in her system too but she didn't get the good steroids he got all the good steroids so of course the steroids were her huge part they were both also in the military that's also you know violence and and um a certain attitude towards how you you know how you handle things and handle conflict so I, I don't understand why. She wasn't a, you know, she wasn't able to have a better defense. I really don't. Yeah, and and they all that's a money thing. I mean, I think the the part of it is she didn't have any money. He was
0: a court appointed yeah. attorney. That's not to say that court appointed attorneys are bad, but he he really seemed like he was phoning it in. Yeah, he really didn't. Oh, he was talking so nonchalantly about it, and then also the the documentary didn't go into Ray's
1: background really at all that she did mention something um that he grew up in poverty so she she said it through her she said ray told her he grew up in poverty his mother gave him up at two weeks old oh that's right he was raised by an aunt aunt, i believe i think this is south carolina yeah um sally went home with ray at one point to his aunt's home and she she said it was like rat infested. That's right. I'd runges, forgotten all about that. You know, <laughs> it blocked that out. Yeah. And that he also told her that there was another boy staying with the aunt. Oh, and he sexually, abused. sexually okay. abused Ray. I completely blocked child, that out. And that, that the aunt said he had a short fuse. That's what she called him. So, but that's the thing. The two of them together both grew up in these really abusive, yeah. awful households. They find each other and then they pump them. They they find each other, pump themselves up with t- with steroids and have a gun at home. Yeah. And, you know, it's a little bit of like, why didn't this happen sooner?
0: Right. Because they both were, uh, they were using like the muscles as a form of protection. Yes. Because they had experienced so much abuse. And yeah, if you're, if you're, fearing for being sexually molested every night. Well, yeah, you are going to have a short fuse. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, yeah. Um, oh, I can't believe I'd forgotten about all that. So, yeah, it yeah. happened to because I had
1: watched I went back and took some notes and it was very quick. There's a lot of information in yeah, there so, and so I was able to pick that up because I had forgotten I had forgotten about that. But I think that, you know, the DV cycle that she talked about, she did at one point. So this is, of course, what everybody's big argument is: why didn't she leave him? And why didn't she? Why did she keep putting up with this? And she talks about this that that she that he beat her up. Sally reported it to the Marines. They took Ray to the brig, and then they let Ray go. Mm-hmm. And Ray then proceeds to beat the shit out of her. Until she drops the charges, and then her sergeant or whomever is like, "Why did you drop the charges?" Yeah, and she's like, "Well, why did you let him out?" This is, I mean, this is the biggest problem with the cycle is, is that it's, it's, you know that no one is really ever protecting these women and they are so vulnerable to this. And if you're in Sally's position, you've dedicated eight years, your whole, you know, so much time and energy into this man, into this relationship. She loved him. She didn't want to let him go, even though he was abusing her. Yeah. And where was she going to go? Yeah. You know, she that's the other problem.
0: didn't have a lot of money. She had two kids You know, she doesn't want to lose her kid's home, you Mm -hmm. know, I mean, as awful as it was, like, at least they had a
1: roof over their heads. Um, But I got the sense that they were sort of kind of getting ready to go. Like, the kids had said to mom, like, listen, mom, this guy is not our biological dad. You can leave. I remember her saying, like, she was very close to, like, packing up the kids, maybe returning back home to her parents. Pennsylvania and trying to maybe, you know, do that. And then all of this, all of this happened and um, changed the course of, of everything. It is, it's, it's, the cycle is so, it's so hard. It's, I think it's so hard for people to understand it if you're not in it, but it it is, you think about it like anything that goes on in our lives, right, where, you say to yourself okay I'll get better about this this will be better I'll change these things I'll do these things differently with the hope and desire that Oh yeah you know, I mean some part of this this cycle will change or end.
0: It's very common we do it all the time you know like if we've invested anything mm. into anything a person a project we're very even if it's not working we're very slow to admit that mm-hmm. and let it go and I think that's human nature. But um so her children, um, so yeah, one of the worst things I've ever witnessed is that scene where she has to tell her children. Mm-hmm. Oh, that, oh yeah. yeah at the things, police station awesome. that, you know, they're going to, she has to go to jail and there's going to mm-hmm. be a trial and, um, you know, she's going to try to see, well, first she tells them they're going to take you to a shelter. Mm-hmm. Oh God. And, and then it was and then I think she might have said she was going to try to see if her parents could, you know, they could go stay with her parents. And, you know, the the poor boy, he's saying, well, mom, just tell them that, you know, it was self. they won't mm-hmm. send you to jail if you tell them it was self-defense. And I mean, it was mm-hmm. I can't even talk about it right yeah, now. It's, 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 it's me. making me so upset. But anyway, they they did have to go and live with her parents in Pennsylvania and because it was so far away there in California, mm-hmm. they really couldn't come visit her. And once she was convicted, they only got the... The the grandmother would bring them like once a year, but it was just so awful mm-hmm. and horrible for everybody that they mm-hmm. kind of just stopped doing
1: it. And then... Well, the one good thing was, though, right, that her parents were no longer alcoholics. Yeah, she said they were terrible parents, but that
0: they were... Good grandparents. Yeah.
1: So the one nice part, the one nice thing was that we're John and is it Shantina, Shan, Shantina, 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 um Shant- the two of them at least had um, a non-abusive the rest of their right like, the rest of me? their childhood. You know, you're just like, oh my gosh, but yeah, at least that was better. But then, <laughs> then they both. Ended up enlisting in the military. Yeah, I thought that was really interesting. Yeah. Both of them decided to go into the military.
0: And John did, like, five tours in, in Afghanistan. Yeah. Um, Shantina did two or three tours. Of course, they both ended up with PTSD because of that. Mm-hmm. Shant- On top of
1: the other thing. Right.
0: Shantina ended up in an abusive relationship herself. Um. John developed a drug problem as a result of all the PTSD. And he was abusive.
1: He says that. Oh, into his. He said, my whole life I've been around violence and he was abusive towards his children. Oh,
0: okay. Mom. Yeah. Yeah. He had a son. So, you know, the cycle is just continuing and it's so, so sad to listen to the two of them. They're, you know, interviewed
1: as adults. Mm-hmm. And- Um, yeah, John is, I couldn't, you know, I couldn't really put my finger on it, but it's like, just, you're right. There's something, I don't know if it's checked out or I just feel like he is hanging on by a threat. Mm -hmm. That's how I feel. Well, so, um, you know, about 10 plus years ago, I worked at a drug and alcohol treatment center and we had the contract for the military. Mm -hmm. And so, I worked with a lot of military, a lot of guys in the military and spouses and kids and all of that. And it was interesting talking to them because a lot of them had been to, this was 10 years ago. So a lot of him had been to Iraq, Afghanistan, all of, all of, um, and, you know, what was interesting is a lot of them said to me, they said that, honestly, I have more PTSD from my childhood than I do from the military. Wow. Because there was this cycle, right, where you know, they these a lot of them had graduated from they they're graduating from high school, they either are having problems, they're either getting into trouble locally where they lived. And the military was kind of the only place to go Right. and the, their only ability, you know, the only option that they had, or they, you know, the only way to break the cycle of what was going on in their homes was to go to the military to be able to be guaranteed with, um, uh, with maybe a college education and roof over your head and all of that. Right. So, and then they get sent, I mean, this is sort of a bit, the, the bit of the cycle is, You don't have a lot of family support, things are falling apart, you join the military, you then are sent off to a country, (laughs) you fight in these wars, then they and then, you know, God forbid you get injured. You get injured, they they pump you up with a bunch of they give you a bunch of opiates, and then they send you back home and say, Okay, adjust now. And Mm -hmm. those opiates you're, you know, you can't have them anymore. Give them back. And that's how they ended up in our treatment center was that they just, a lot of them were, you know, going from one bad, abusive situation to another. And so it's just, it doesn't surprise me to hear, I was surprised to hear that both the kids decided to go into the military. But at the same time, I can see how this family kind of kept going in this circle because those kids, you know, what else were they going to do? It was like the military was probably this, you know, the only option. So they joined the military and then. You yeah, know. a way to get an education or a way to, you know, establish a career
0: or mm-hmm. maybe they were trying to redo something. Yeah. You know, maybe. Trying to uh, do it over <laughs> better than. than how they than, had done. than their mother did. Yeah. But, um, yeah. So. Sally, she got, um, you know, she was found guilty of second, second degree, degree murder. She got a sentence of 19 years to life,
1: which I was really surprised. But again, I think that's that poor, I think she had better defense. I think she could have, I think she could have gotten voluntary or involuntary. No. Manslaughter. No. no. You think, you she think. She was cons- lucky she didn't get first degree. Oh,
0: okay. Because voluntary manslaughter, there's no intent to kill. That's like a car, you know, drunk driving, mm-hmm. you know, kill someone drunk driving. Um, second degree murder, you intend to kill the person, but it's in the heat of the moment. There's no oh. premeditation. Okay. First degree's premeditation. So it's pretty hard to argue that when you point a gun at someone and fire mm-hmm. it, that there's no intent to kill. So
1: explain this to me, because this seemed to be the, pardon the pun, the smoking gun of the entire defense Not the defense, sorry, the prosecution, which is, is that she shot him and then went back into her bedroom, right? Got more ammunition, reloaded, and went back out and shot him again.
0: Yeah, because her story was that she first shot him in the stomach and that he was, you know, still upright and started coming for her. And she shot him a second time in the face, and that's Mm -hmm. what got him down. Mhm. But the prosecution said that the forensics didn't support that cuz the blood the blood splatter from the second shot went up. Mm-hmm. There was like a lamp where um uh there was like all this blood splatter from the bottom of the lamp up to the top. Mm-hmm. So that meant that he would have been shot while he was down on the ground. And they Ooh. and they claimed that she went back into the bedroom and reloaded. I think there must have been a shell casing. Mhm there so um so
1: they're saying she reloaded from the first shot to the second shot or they're saying that she had those first two shots then went back into the bedroom reloaded again as if she was going to shoot him again
0: um that i can't remember
1: okay i just know that
0: they said that she reloaded and it must have, there was only two shots fired. So it yeah. must have
1: been in between the two. Well, that's it. There's only two shots fired, but I didn't understand. Did she reload from the two shots or did she shoot him twice and then, as if like, I'm going to go and protect myself? You know, I'm so oh, worried. Yeah. I'm going to go reload. I'm not sure place. about that, but. But then she, so, so, an illegal question though. So she said that he, when she started to go towards the room and towards like where the gun was, that he knew that's where she was going. Right. He knew she was going to bring out this gun or that that's what she was going to do. And that she then felt that the minute he if, if I'm understanding this correctly, that is she saying that because he knew she was going towards the gun. That then that made her feel like it was either her or him. I was a little confused from what her thinking was in the moment. Yeah. Her st- Which I can under- I can also understand that her thinking yeah, is her, not her story, warrior. Her story is not
0: crystal clear, nor would you expect it to be. Mm-hmm. Because, and she even says when she's recounting all mm-hmm. this, she even says, you know, it's hard for me to remember some things. Obviously, she doesn't remember every single thing that happened in the sequence and who knows. And, and also sometimes the mind will fill in things yes. that didn't actually yes. didn't really happen. So, you know, in terms of the sequence of it, I don't know, but I think the, the bottom line was um, I think it had to do with the choking mm. that she was cause and her daughter testified yes. in court yes. that she heard the choking sounds that night. So I think he had choked her, and she got really scared. And she'd been choked so many times, and she talked about how awful the choke mm-hmm. choking was because that she really it made her really feel like she was going to die. Mm-hmm. And I think that that just set her off. Mm-hmm. She was like, "Fuck this! Like, yeah, this is not happening to me again." And went and got the gun. And I don't, you know, I don't know what he was doing at the time, mm-hmm. but he obviously didn't think she was going to get a gun, or he would have tried to stop her.
1: Yeah, well, and then the argument of the prosecution and his friends was that he was coming home to tell her he had spent Valentine's, it was Valentine's Day, so he had Ray had spent Valentine's Day with Marianne or another woman, that he then was coming home to tell her that it was going to be over. And that's the part I was just like, but if this guy was really checked out of this relationship, like, if, if your theory is correct that she's the aggressor and she's the violent one and she was mad that he was going to leave her for someone else and that that he had spent valentines with someone else so he's going to come home and and break up with her and but to me it kind of feels like then what well, i don't think ray had any intent intention of leaving her or moving out do you know what i mean like why come home and choke her why keep doing it like i feel like he would have been gone he would have been gone already if he really just didn't want to be with her anymore why come home at the end of the night and get in this huge fight with yeah her why talk? not just stay out all night yeah i
0: you know personally i don't believe that i think that's just the narrative they created mm-hmm. for the trial yeah that's pure speculation on their part. Yes. I don't know what Ray was... Thinking. Thinking or what he was what he was going to do when he got home. You're right. It, ma- it makes no sense. That is literally something they constructed for the mm-hmm. trial. Because, you know, a trial is a presentation. You have yeah. to put on this story that makes sense. And you have to fill in all these little blanks for the jurors. So that they buy into whatever you're selling. Mm-hmm. So, who knows? Um, and, yeah... And a lot of the stuff she says, she doesn't even know. Yeah. You know, but it it just, it happened. And, you know, quite frankly, I was surprised that she got out after 25 years. Because a lot of times with these cases, you know, where it's 20 to life mm-hmm. or whatever to life,
1: you you never get out of prison. Yeah, I was actually surprised she would serve so long. See, 19 to life, I mean, maybe I was a little bit like uh, her friend who was like, I think they're going to let her out after 10 years and 15 years. Like maybe I, I have that friend's attitude, but I was really, I wasn't surprised. I was surprised. I wasn't surprised by the length of the sentence, but I was really surprised that she wasn't um, that she was, she got out after 25 years. But what drives me crazy about these parole boards is, is that it's such a F system, Right because essentially she was not granted parole until she went in there and basically lied right. and said, I wasn't really a battered woman. I took his life and I take accountability for yeah. it. what I did was bad. What I did was wrong. And that it seems like that's all the parole board wants from you is just admit that you're wrong and we'll let you out. Or you you need to quote unquote, take accountability for this versus um, you know, Maybe believing that, you know, maybe this is... Or believing that she's
0: been punished (laughs) enough. Yes. She has been a... If she has been a good inmate... Yes. If she um, is not a threat to society... Mm -hmm. 25
1: years, 20 years, whatever. That's a long time. Let her out. Well, that's what I was wondering, too, if they let her out because of COVID. Do you know what I mean? Because they let out a lot of people during COVID. And I kind of wonder if they were like, oh, we got too many people. It's COVID. Let her go. 'Cause they I let her out during possibly. in twenty twenty. Yeah, possibly. You
0: know? I don't know. But yeah, they they it's such a cruel system. It is. And there's no you know yeah, it's it's like we just wanna punish, 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 punish and just warehouse people. And people who are no longer a threat,
1: if they ever were a threat. Yeah. Uh, oh God, these men, right? Because that's a big thing. Men and women, but especially men. Men age out of yeah. They age out of crime. they age out of crime. They mellow. The testosterone lowers. They age out of crime, and we have these men that are like seventy years old mm-hmm. in prisons because they committed a they committed a crime when they were twenty. And it's like, we're still housing them. It's just, that's a whole, that is a whole other show. And another feeling about the prison system. But she did, she got out in 2020, which is very nice. I felt like this has got a happy ending and she meets another guy. And the one thing that I felt like, yes, Sally has grown is she was like, I decided to take it slow. I'm like, thank (laughs) you, Sally. Thank you. Finally, Because again, Again, I would like to say she met right. Two months later, they get married. Stop doing this. Why do people do this? Well, she's older now. She's had a lot of time to think. She's had a lot of time to think. I was like, oh, thank God, Sally. You get. And I think she's been with this guy for like a year. I'm like, okay, good. So she gets remarried to this guy who seems very sweet, very pleasant. He seems to really enjoy her. And they're living their best life now. And you know and she, she saw her kids, and she's got grandchildren, and you know, so I was very happy. I was like, "This has got a happy ending." I know. I, I was being nervous. Usually, those kind of shows don't no, have an ending because the bulk of her interview was her in prison. Yeah. And so I, I like, thought she oh she's okay. still there. Oh, I was just <laughs> like, oh Jesus, this is it. But I know. that's that made me very very happy to see that she was released, that she's on the other side of it, and and she can enjoy this next section of her life. Yeah. this new husband. Well, and another
0: little interesting tidbit was when they were talking about the whole battered women syndrome, they had a couple of experts on there commenting about it. And the filmmaker said something to the effect of, well, are things different now? Mm -hmm. And the woman said, sadly, no. No. She said, I still, there are still women going to prison for lengthy prison sentences for this. And... Yeah, I I don't think a lot has changed about, uh you know, how we feel about what constitutes a victim. Mm-hmm. You know, having sympathy for victims, having understanding for victims. I don't think we've come all that far.
1: No, and what's interesting, too, is they talked about when... So, she and Ray got together in 87. She... The murder happens in 95. 95. And this was... A year after OJ. Yeah, it and was the same year. Sa- yeah. And so, because the OJ killing was, or... It was 95. No, it was 94. Well, the trial was in 94. Yeah the, yeah, the the murder was in 94. The trial was in 95. And so even though this was being talked about in the news constantly, yeah. it was something that was, that people were constantly bringing up with that case. And, um, and a very similar case, like blonde woman, black man, you know, um... Uh, Athlete. athletes, you know, God knows what OJ's done over the years and TBI, you know, other, other things that have attributed to what to OJ, but that even then, after that, we still, you know, back then we still can't, you know, couldn't, couldn't get it together right. and be able to see it for what it is. And now here we are in this whole new world that we live in, where it is like believe women and yeah. listening to victims, we still are, you know, just he can beat the crap out of you, but God forbid you fight back. Then, yeah, you know. and it was interesting because they were mentioning
0: some of the other cases that were happening yes, in the yes, 90s. Yes, so yes, there was yes. like the Amy Betafuco or Joey Betafuco, um, Lorena, Lorena Bobbitt, who was also horribly abused. She's right. been a documentary um, Nancy Kerrigan and uh, Tanya Harding. And Tanya Harding was a mm-hmm. victim of abuse. And it's interesting because some of these things have come back and they've gotten some redemption, like that movie, um, I Tanya, mm-hmm. which really told the story from Tanya Harding's perspective and mm-hmm. tried to
1: redeem her. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, these women were just villainized. Yeah, Lorena Bobbitt was made to be insane and crazy. And, you know, she also was a victim of abuse. Who, and John Wayne wasn't he military? Yeah, I think he was so. military too, and um, yeah, there were a lot of them in, in that. And this was a this was also you know a couple of years post Monica Lewinsky and all of that, where women in the '90s were made to be. We were just this these awful, awful. Yeah, you know. and then all the cringy clips
0: from like you know ET oh, and yeah. um, hard copy or all these shows where they would just they would. They were uh, every night talk, mm-hmm. giving these women these names, like, God, what did they call? Um, well, you know, they called Amy, what is her last name? The Long Island. Fisher. Amy Fisher, the Long mm-hmm. Island Lolita. And they had a name for um, Sally, something like the Pumped Up Princess. Mm-hmm. And so horrible. Yeah. Horribly exploitive, like just awful to women. I mean, it's disgusting.
1: Yeah. Well, but no, nothing's really, it's not, none of it's gotten better. There are, it's so funny. There's all these podcasts now that just, you know, where the entire podcast is about one person after another who tells the story of their horrendous boyfriend or partner or husband who abused them and stalked them and, you know, all of that. And and these stories, you know, are still happening. And yet, I don't know what's the solution. I don't know what the solution is. At this point, well,
0: nothing is changing. I think we need to change how men are raised and um, what they're taught because mm-hmm. they are the perpetrators. Yes, and that's the thing. It's like everything that happens to women, women are expected to solve. Mm-hmm. Everything that's happening to people of color, they're expected to solve. That that's not women's problem to solve. You know, the men need to be. Um, taught better, raised better, held accountable. You know, it's mm-hmm. like, yeah, why are men so violent? Mm-hmm. Some men, not all men, obviously. But yeah, why? Why? But
1: yeah, well, but we can see, right? You see that her son, John, who seems like such a sweet, kind boy, and then you hear him abusing him about him, right. you know, and he, he took ownership of, you know, he's saying, yeah, I, I perpetuated this violence. I've been around violence my entire life. Um, Well, to learn behavior. And
0: he, even though, even though nobody intended to teach him that, Mm -hmm. he just learned it by just living. Like he was living in a home where this was happening. And then he went into the military and yeah, he made some comment about how my entire life has just been about nothing but violence Mm -hmm. and, you know, war. And yeah, so but at least he's redeemable because that's not like his nature. Mm -hmm. You know, he, he was just a sweet little
1: boy. Yeah. Well, and that you brought up something earlier too, which is, it is very common because I've seen this, that uh, many people that go into bodybuilding and, and um, want to get these big muscles are because they were abused. Mm -hmm. You know, it is very, very common for both men and women to, you know, be from abuse, you know, be abused and then want to defend themselves. And so it is this, you, you, you know, no matter how you feel about Sally or Ray, you know, they were both abused. They were very, you know, then attracted to bodybuilding and then meet each other. It's like, it's this feeling of just, it's like a runaway train, you know, that, that you can you can really see how everyone got to where they are but it just feels like something's got to be different. I don't know if that makes any sense. Yeah. I don't know if Runaway Train is really the best <laughs> example of that. I don't know. Well, this is a very good
0: documentary, docu series, whatever you want to call it. And um yes, I, we give it I thumbs give up. Thumbs up.
1: Yes, I thought it was well done. I thought it was um again, like I said, short to the point. <laughs> yeah not, not too long not too long and um yeah yeah very interesting yes well All right you want to take us home brooke sure, sure.
0: <laughs> so thanks for listening if you made it to the end of this and we would appreciate it if uh, you like the podcast if you would subscribe and give us a five-star review that would really help us out and we will see you soon or talk to you soon yes Bye. All right. Bye.